Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing, episode 272. It's basically about the business of writing, and they tell you the stuff they wish that someone had told them when they got started as writers. You know, somebody can be a successful marketer and not necessarily provide a quality product. I'm going to let Moses go because he's frothing at the mouth to talk about this one. (laughs) (laughs) I like writing. I like reading. I like to immerse myself in books. That seems like a pretty good career choice. (laughs) Oh, you sound terrible. What happened? I'm just kidding. Oh, man. And now, constructed on a zeppelin by an apprentice mage and delivered by a rocket ship to a benevolent dragon, Adventures in Sci-Fi Public Sci-Fi Welcome to Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing, your podcast for science fiction and fantasy literature. This is Sean Farrell. This is Moses Siregar. And this is Brent Bowen. And uh, we are happy to be here and just want to say again, uh, thank you to Tim for everything that he has done over the last 14, 15 months for the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Thrones and Bones Frostborn, the new middle age novel by Lou Anders. This is a children's fantasy geared towards grades three through seven, ages eight and up, if you will. And it will enthrall your child in the world of dragons and gaming and two-headed trolls and frost giants and just a lot of fun stuff. And Lou's actually going to be on our next episode to discuss the book. We just recorded that episode, and uh, it's a great interview, and you're going to enjoy listening to it, I do believe. Um, You know, it's a a little bit uh, of bittersweet almost recording this tonight. I'm happy to be back. Uh, I will admit a little bit overwhelming getting my hands around everything again and deciding... Uh, how to best move the podcast forward. We do have some updates about all that later on, but first, uh, I do want to say just to Moses and Brent that it's uh, really great to be on with you guys again and doing this thing that we do together again. And I looked it up in the feed. The last episode that dropped with all of us was June 7th, 2013, episode 208. Uh, that was my 40th birthday. Was it really? Yeah. Nice. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did yeah, the happy June birthday. 7th, June 7th's my birthday. Well, I mean, happy birthday, whatever, 14 months ago. <laughs> Retroactive, whatever. <laughs> but to put it in perspective, that means that Tim put out 63 episodes in 14 months. Um, Dude. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's we're, awesome. We're not going to keep that pace up, by the way. There's no way. There's no way we can do that many, but hopefully we'll still have a good stream of content. Um, and Moses, I, at that time, you were just joining, I believe, Hide and Create. And now, I, I don't know if you want to announce this or not, but um, you're not as involved in that podcast, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, it's kind of weird. I was um, a co host of Hide and, Hide and Create uh, over. Basically, the time that you were not running Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing, and um, although I was, I was still doing some interviews for, for Tim, I didn't do as many as I had been doing. So, uh, but I was like co-host of the show Hide and Create, which is still going. Um, Michael J. Sullivan has actually taken my place as the indie guy on the show, um, and it was actually really fun. I mean, I I kind of fulfilled the secret wish, which was to be kind of a members of Writing Excuses for a while, except there was no like Brandon Sanderson and all those guys, you know. Uh, <laughs> Dan and Mary and uh, Howard, but we were doing the same kind of thing, really. It's just that our thing was like we have an indie, we have a traditionally published author, we have a guy who um, 
uh, Jordan Ellinger, who is more of a media tie-in writer and then an, an editor, uh, and Joshua Esso. So uh, I had a blast doing that. Like we did, we did a weekly show, and and um, it was fun. But yeah, I had to leave the show because I'm having a kid in October, perhaps mm-hmm. <laughs> we're due October 25th. And uh, I realized I wanted to do more with Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing, and I didn't really have time for both shows. Um, and so Michael J. Sullivan was, you know, possibly available to take over for me. And I'm like, well, they could replace him with me. That seems to work pretty well for them. So why not uh, get back over here and do some more interviews? So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I recently did another interview with another show called The Roundtable Podcast with uh, Dave Robison. And we interviewed Cat Rambo and had a fun thing. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm doing a little bit with Roundtable, but I'm looking forward to doing a lot more interviews with Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing. Um, should be a, should be a blast, and it's great to have Sean back. And by the way, I want a Timothy C. Ward teddy bear for Christmas. Uh, I just love that guy. I just I just love him so much. I just I want to hold him and and just rock him like a baby. And I just love him. And uh, it's he did a great job. Like he kept the show going. So listeners should know he he kept the show going. Like he really kept it going. Like like you know. We had other options, and Tim was the guy who stepped up. And man, did he totally step up. I mean, it's just amazing what he did. So we love you, Tim. And uh, Tim will be around now and then, so fear not. Um, but it's great to be back with uh, Sean and Brent here, too. Yeah, we'll hear t- Tim again. He's not gone away forever or anything. Um, and Brent, I know for you, you just had a really, really busy 9, 12 months, man, on your plate. What, what's been going on with you? Oh, I'm not going to bore everybody with the, a lot of it's been the mundane and I, I know mundane can be, there's a trend for that in fiction, but, uh, I'm not going to share it with our listeners. So, um, there are some cool things that have been going on this year and then some things I'm looking forward to and just kind of, um, squeeing over for lack of a better term. I finishing up an interactive, um, novella that I've been working on with uh, for a couple of years, and it's going to drop at the end of this year. And yeah. really excited, really excited about it. It was short story that blew into novella, um, based on some feedback I got at Paradise Icon last year. And speaking of Tim, um, want to send out some serious love to Tim. I, I there would be no show. I, I think I've shared this with a few of you. There would be no show without Tim. So if anybody has the opportunity to share a little love for. Um, for Tim, because he had the paddles out and kept this thing going um, for the last 14 months. That'd be great. I had a um, last November, he and I got the the opportunity to hang out all weekend at Paradise Icon. And uh, it was good to meet him in person and, and spend some time with him. And I hope I get to do it again this November. So early yeah. November and um, hoping the interactive um, novella will be finished by then. It's out of my hands at this point. It's uh, in the hands of much more creative minds than mine even uh, trying to put the the finishing touches on some multimedia aspects of it. So I'm really excited about that. Mm. Um, also, I, I played a little bit of the editor role. I was kind of geeking out. I got this really cool email a couple couple days ago um, from a, a coworker in my day job that we just happened through serendipity, stumble a, across one another and uh, he writes speculative fiction, and he hasn't done much with it. And um, he said, you know, I really want to get more into it. And so he sent me a draft of a story, and I worked with him a little bit. And he just got an acceptance into an anthology. His name's Brandon Jimison, and the anthology is called Reconstructing the Monster, and it's by MB, MB Press. Um, and I'll let folks know when it's coming out. But I was like, wow, played a little bit of the editor role that – to help him get that story published, so because he had been submitting it out a few places, so I took a little bit of personal pride in 
Um, I haven't published anything since November. I had a, a story that went out on Tina Connolly's podcast, but um, – to see that go out, I had a little uh, enough time to edit something for him that I thought was cool. And the the, the other big thing I'm really geeking out uh, about uh, with the end of the Hugos uh, and Worldcon was they made finally made the announcement on the 2016 bid for Worldcon. And anybody that knows me knows that uh, I'm a Kansas City boy through and through. And uh, Kansas City was awarded the 2016 Worldcon. So I think I'm just going to have to vacate my house and probably put it on loan to several people that I know. Um, my wife's probably going to have to go to a different city because um, it's going to be it's going to be unreal. So it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. I've been chatting it up with a few folks on Twitter uh, about it. So <laughs> exactly. So I'm 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 pretty stoked about it. So that's what that's what's been going on. That's been exciting. Yeah. Um, that's not related to football players, basketball players for my day job kind of stuff. So, now, how long have you been wanting to use the word serendipity on the podcast? Come on, for real. You've had that written down next to your microphone for like two years. Now, that's part of my normal vernacular. Oh, sure. <laughs> it is. That and effusive. Uh, <laughs> I speak like that at work and I get yelled at all the time. I mean, to, to be fair, Sean has the entire defensive line of the 49ers written, written right there, too. So. He does. <laughs> he's he's, wait, he's hey. just waiting for the right time to slip those guys. Oh, he man. Is. If, it's kind of like, have you guys seen the movie uh, Dallas Buyers Club? No. Uh-uh. No. Oh, it was a great it was a great movie, but at one point, as he's smuggling drugs, I won't go too much into the plot, as he's smuggling drugs, Sean, you'll appreciate this, uh, over the border. I'll uses, appreciate drug smuggling. <laughs> okay, no, no, ahead. you'll appreciate that he uses all the names <laughs> of the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, okay. The names of his clients. Nice. <laughs> well, I know they do have a history with that. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> that's some good stuff, dude. Yeah, we maybe we should try to plan a little Worldcon event over there in Kansas City in 2016. Sounds oh like my a plan god! Yeah. The house is open. The first, we, we've never met with all three of us. Actually, Sean and I have never met in person. I've never met Tim either. So I've, well, Brent's the only guy. I'm, and well, yeah, just Brent. <laughs> I'm the link. I've met Sean. Yeah. And I met Moses in person. Had drinks with both of you. Glad we do it again. I haven't met Tim, so... Brent is the three degrees of this show. It's three degrees Mm. of Brent Bowen. We're going to have to go play some Thrones and and Bones. Might have to play some, uh, roll some (laughs) dice, you know? (laughs) Awesome. Well, you know, I kind of mentioned this in the last show that I recorded with Tim, that for me, it's just been focusing on uh, growing my business since I've been gone. That was one of the big reasons why I stepped away, and and that's going a lot better, so... um, now I, I'm going to try to squeeze this into the evenings while trying to, of course, get back into uh, better health and <laughs> trying to exercise again and trying to do a little bit of writing, but uh, haven't done too much, um, You know, especially now that the Premier League soccer is on and the 49ers are starting. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's trouble. Mm-hmm. My wife's looking at me. Do you mind? Oh, yeah, my family too. Hi, honey. Okay, bye-bye. Have fun. All right, so um, <laughs> I, I do want to mention while we're throwing all this love around uh, – I, apparently, I have a 14-month-old mistake that Moses pointed out to me. So I just want to clarify the record. When I did my farewells, he informed me that I didn't thank him or Brent 
in that episode. You didn't well, mention us. You did, I didn't mention mm-hmm. you guys, apparently. Now, he said mm-hmm. it didn't bother him, but he's been thinking about it every day for 14 months. <laughs> I did but not <laughs> say that. I did not say that. No, but... Uh, but, 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 but Moses, wanted... we were the first called when it all came down to he, him having to pick the reins That's back right. up. That's right. He comes crawling back to us. That's <laughs> right, Brent. <laughs> right? And we're like, oh. okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm gonna never live this one down. <laughs> but as I have mentioned before on the show, this podcast would have pod faded four and a half years ago if not for you guys. So of course you know how much I appreciate you. You know that. You know that, Moses. We knew. We knew. We knew. Yeah, I have a mad, mad, mad man crush on you both. Um, a bromance. Not a bromance, yeah. Well, close. All right. So no, what, no, no, no. I'm sorry. A lot of bromance. A lot of bromance. Yeah, yeah. That works. I have the pictures to prove it too. Yeah. So I'm just saying. Okay. Anyway, this is getting awkward. So let's move on to our topic. <laughs> you know, back in the day when we used to record, we we would do these things. We talk about topics about what was going on in the uh, in publishing. So we're going to do that real quickly here. We don't want this episode to go too long, but hopefully this will be of interest to people. And it's based on one of David Farland's recent daily kicks. You should subscribe to his daily kick if you don't already. It's great stuff. And he did a post on writing fake reviews. And I've heard a little bit of this over the years, but never really paid too much attention of it. And So I found it very interesting. And I'm just going to summarize it very quickly. The four main types of fake reviews that he discusses, and then we'll, we'll get into a little uh, talk on this. So the first type, number one, authors trading glowing reviews. Uh, sort of scratching each other's backs type, type of things. And um, I would think maybe among professionally published authors, this might be the form of fake reviewing, if you will. I like to, I made up this term. I call it review stacking. Copyright pending. No one can say that. Review stacking. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I like where, it where they write fake reviews for each other to you know move, move up on Amazon, right? Try to sell some more books. Yeah, I, quite honestly, it kind of made me think about praise quotes as well. I've often been a little you know cynical of praise quotes on books when I know the authors are friends. Like, well, did you really like the book, or do you just really like your friend? You know, I mean, hey, if you really like the book too, that's great. But I've wondered about that in the past. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, that's the oh, first yeah. type of fake review. The second type is attacking authors. This is when uh, a group of authors or readers or people, they dislike another author for any reason. could be a political affiliation or religious views or they just don't like the person and they start slamming that, that person with the one-star reviews and writing you know, false things about them or about the book. All right? The third one is uh, purchasing packets of fake reviews from companies that will give you a couple hundred reviews and they'll go out and post on all the different sites um, and apparently some folks have used this to get themselves on the bestseller list which is amazing and then fourthly is authors creating fake accounts maybe dozens of fake accounts on amazon where they're writing reviews for themselves under these fake names so those are kind of the four over uh, four large groups of fake reviews that folks have used um, to try to sell more books and make more money um, now brent you work in marketing for a living, and I just want to get your take on these four approaches for utilizing fake reviews. Which one do you think is the worst? Which one really kind of bothers you? Well, I and I would say that that probably falls into two camps. On on a personal level, I'll say the second one, uh, attacking authors, um, probably is the most reprehensible to me, uh, particularly if they've not read the subject matter or material. Uh, and then to just completely destroy um, 
another human being and show that type of intolerance is something that troubles me personally from a an overall marketing practice. And it's something that's pretty common, um, but it's come to light more in, I, I think, the media. They, they actually, the Wall Street Journal just ran an article a couple of weeks ago about social media and people actually buying uh, fake followers. And it's Seriously? starting to... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People are, I mean, for a couple hundred dollars, you can probably buy 10,000 fake followers uh, for your for the podcast Twitter handle. If you if you really wanted to take some of our sponsorship money and and bump up the Twitter followers to 13,000, you know, we could go and do that. You and I could sit down and have that done in about 30 minutes. And, and it's, um, it's pretty reprehensible. Uh, it's, it's viewed when it comes to light. Um, it generally doesn't work out pretty favorably for the, the person that's purchased the followers. Uh, it's pretty common also in the, um, in the, the service, uh, entertainment and travel industries where, um, there's been a number of kind of exposés done, um, on the travel industry in particular, um, if you go to uh, uh, Travelocity and you look at um, look at different hotel destinations, and they hire people to do to do fake reviews, and I and I think that is the one from a marketing standpoint that you have people gaming with all of these ranking systems like Yelp. There was an NPR um, interview I heard with the the creator of Yelp, and they were uh, celebrating their 10 year anniversary and. They were talking about all the ends that they go to to keep this from happening um, because they know some of the power that they hold from um, from a crowd review standpoint that businesses um, come and go. And in some respects, they come and go based on the reviews that are provided and um, how successful that business can be and how financially successful that business can be. Um, is due in large part to the reviews that are provided, not just the the comments, but the the starred reviews. Um, right. Yeah. So they they appreciate the power that's there that they hold in their hands, and that's something that they talked about is that they really crack down on 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 fake reviews. So that to me, um, the purchasing the packets of fake reviews from companies uh, is probably the most reprehensible. Uh, that's a bit different. There's one on here that I know you and I have talked about. That is a bit different. Um, I don't know if it's worked itself into the the book industry, but it's something that's becoming more and more common. Uh, it's one where you start to recruit advocates, um, but you're not purchasing their um, their review. They still have to believe in the product um, to comment on the product, and they have the opportunity to decline. And a lot of times, there's no guarantee that they'll receive something. Um, based on um, the information they provide. And that's particularly in social media with blogging. That's becoming more and more common um, where you have bloggers that have some sort of reach are actually being approached by brands. And it's a practice we actually um, investigate. And I've talked to you, you know, I talked to you. It's something that uh, within the work I do on a day-to-day basis, uh, we've started to do is, is look at people that um, would have the same kind of tonality would have the same interests and background and we kind of present our brand and say, you know, there could be some sort of thank you along the way, but it's not, you're not making a, um, 
defined agreement around some sort of compensation. So right. there, there's probably even a fifth area that's a little more squishy and gray, particularly with the advent of social media that's becoming more and more common. So, But I would say just directly purchasing, uh, providing somebody compensation for a positive remark to me is probably the most reprehensible. Interesting. Now, Moses, you are our indie expert on this show. What what have you seen in, in your experiences in indie publishing? Have you been approached by anyone to engage in these type of things? Um, you probably get, you know, some people writing you now and then saying, hey, review my book, you know, wink, wink kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of, uh, I, I actually went through this uh, pe- period where all of my like illusions were shattered <laughs> about <laughs> you know, people being like good, you know, and, uh, oh, then I called you and everything was restored. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is one of the, this is like a ray of sunshine in the darkness, uh, that Sean called, but uh, <laughs> other than that call, it's just, it's, it's just pitch black out there. People, it's just dark. <laughs> 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 um, well, no, I did because I got. We're to all being point. misled, right, Moses? <laughs> <laughs> right, and uh, I mean, I got to this point where I saw that uh, you know, like like the, all the John Locke and all the people who were buying reviews, all that stuff came out. Um, tons, you know, t- there are just tons of indies. T- some of the people who were very successful, some of the people who were you know famous on keyboards, some of the people who had famous blogs. And you realize, you know, there's a little slew thing that went on where people realize, like, oh, wait a minute, this guy bought a ton of fake reviews. Oh, look at this. This other guy also has a lot of reviews from that same guy. Or, you know, they have a lot of uh, reviewers in common, in other words, you know. Um, so that was one, you know, one of my, you know, kind of illusions that was shattered. Uh, a lot of people do that kind of stuff. Back scratch, you know, that happens. Um, attacks happen to. Uh, a friend of mine told me recently not to post on keyboards in the writer's cafe anymore because people will go to your Amazon page and write fake like one star reviews or like there's some like trolls or whatever who are just sabotage the competition that way and so it's like uh, do I even go back to the forum where I used to learn so much about indie publishing or do I worry about you know like do you guys ever see the South Park episode with uh, World of Warcraft right no. and there's this real uh, this tubby dude who's like real like he just sits at his house all day and plays World of Warcraft, and he's got like oh, a—he's yeah. <clears throat> got this thing on his wrist, you know, because he, he just plays the game all day long. He's got to have like a wrist brace, and you know, there's a guy out there like that, right? And he's just a troll, and he'll just be like, "There's a buck, one star, you know." And so, welcome to welcome to the new world. Um, and yeah, that happens. People buy the fake reviews. People use fake accounts to write soccer, sock, you know, sock puppet reviews. Uh, that turned out to be a lot more common than I thought it was at one point as well. So, you know, um, yeah. that, that's, that's kind of the reality, you know what I mean? It's like, do you look at it like Han Solo or do you look at it with, you know, I don't know, Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of, kind of, kind of view, you know? It's like there's money to be made. Right, I mean, like there are people sure. making money, uh, just like as there have always been, uh, making easy money, like in finding ways to do that and doing you know things that a lot of people would find not so acceptable. Um, and then there's people who want to. Uh, I try to be like this, you know, people who uh, try to write the best book they can. You know, love the world, love the stories, love the characters, be positive, put the work out there. You know, support things that are worth supporting, and hope. You know, hope in this world that there's some kind of uh, call it good karma from trying to do the right thing. You know, um, right? Uh, you know, and 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 basically, like <clears throat> as a writer, I really think what it comes down to: you have to put your head down, get it out of the drama. Yes, there are tons of bad things out there. There are people making money, doing 
dishonest things in publishing always have been, always will be. Uh, and by the way, when review copies are sent to bloggers or reviewers, you know that's another funny area where I, I see all these authors who are super chummy with certain reviewers, right? And what's going on there is kind of a weird thing going on when mm. they start writing amazing things about their books. So it happens at every level. It's not just indies. I mean, it's different for traditionally published authors, but yeah. it's just there's so much crap. And so it, basically, like what I do is I just go, I just got to try to keep my head down, you know, and write my books and put them out there and be a good person and just, you know, let, let the chips fall, you know, and make, right. taking my best shot, taking my best swing, you know, right? So I think that's practically what I can really do, you know, in terms of my own life is just take care of what I can take care of, and that's writing books. Well, it helps, well, it seems to me that it will point people to sources that they can trust. Uh, the more aware you are of this, um, you know, and I've always wondered how much stock do I put in Amazon reviews, for example, of people who are supposedly read the book or you know, if they, whether they really loved it or really didn't. But if you have a source that you really like, like, I don't know, adventuresinsci-fi-publishing.com, and you see the book reviews on there and, and you say, okay, you, you still have to get to know each individual reviewer, right? What's their taste and whatnot. But then you know, okay, I've, I've read 10 reviews from this person. I went and bought two of the books that they recommended, liked them both. So I can trust this source. It seems like the more aware people become of this, and if it's something that becomes even more prevalent, it'll help those outlets that do the best they can to write honest reviews as best they can. Yeah, and the reality is that, like, you know, Amazon reviews, when you get good Amazon reviews, you have a high number, they have a high rating. It just, it supports your, your you know, Amazon starts selling your book. It starts recommending it to people, and, and, right. and literally, you can just start selling books that way. So, yes, it's true. Like, it's good to find those trusted people that you can go to, but there are still going to be people abusing the system. And, you know, sometimes I look at it, and, and you know, you, there's a lot of people abusing the system on every level. You talk about government, you talk about anything you want, like, talk about sports, talk about anything. You know, it's like, okay, but I can't control that. I can't control what those people are doing. I can just control what I do. You know, what you mentioned earlier about um, authors being buddy-buddy with reviewers, that I, we were just talking about that the other day, it's the, me and a buddy of mine, about uh, the beat writers for sports teams, how they, they don't ask sometimes really tough questions Question. of the coach yep. or the quarterback because if they do and they get the guy ticked off, well, guess what? They won't be offered the, op- the opportunity to ask questions for the next four weeks. So they have yep. to be real vanilla and politically correct. And they have to laugh really hard at the coach's jokes that aren't funny. <laughs> Yeah, Similar and thing. I mean, and the truth is, there is a certain amount of like I don't know schmoozing that happens in life, right? I mean, it's a part of life, and sure. yes, you might make friends with a reviewer or an editor or a podcaster or whoever, and uh, you know, there's a certain amount of that that we all kind of have this sense is okay and, and is good. Um, and then there's there's lines, there's various lines that where you I might draw a line, you might draw a line, someone else draws a line, and we're, we're, we we put the line at different places when it becomes kind of foul, right? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it's super messy. <laughs> well, here, here's what I would like everyone to do who's listening to this. If you have a favorite uh, site or place that you like to get book recommendations from, come to the, the show notes for this episode and leave that link in the show notes or come to the Facebook and leave it there. And let's uh, you know, put our heads together and find some really great sources that we can all um, look at for, for those book recommendations. Of course, we're a, one of those places we would hope that you would uh, – uh, think about when trying to find that next book or trying to get an opinion on something. But I think that'd be cool, kind of post our favorite places that we like to go. It's funny you mentioned that, Sean, because that was on the tip of my tongue, was there's a place, as we were talking about the effusive reviews that are out there, 
um, where everybody's kind of buddy buddy. I uh, told you effusive was part of my normal vernacular, but anyway, <laughs> the um, uh, Thomas Wagner friends call him Martin. He's uh, a book reviewer. He's been doing it for two decades out of Austin, uh, the Austin, Texas, Texas area. His website, sfreviews.net. He's managed to maintain great relationships with authors. And if he doesn't like your book, you're not getting the stars. You're not getting the reviews. And he's about he uh, he shows about as much integrity He's just tremendous from an integrity standpoint about he's going to express the way he feels about the book. And so I would highly recommend anybody that's reading genre to go out and check the reviews on his site. He's a voracious reader. Uh, he's kept that. I know the site's been up for more than a decade and he's been reviewing books for two decades. But I couldn't recommend, recommend Martin Wagner more than enough to our listeners. So. Is it sfreviews.net? Yeah, it's sfreviews.net. Yep. Yeah, I, I second that. Two thumbs up. And I know our own Tim Ward is an honest reviewer because he reviewed a short story of mine and wasn't that nice to it. Anyway, let's move on. Um, <laughs> so good, good discussion there. We'll put the link in uh, to Dave Farland's kick so you can read it as well. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. This is not really a new age in the podcast. Seems like it's more like a retro age in the podcast. But uh, since, you know, I am sort of um, behind the wheel again, um, wanted to put my stamp on things a little bit again. And if you go right now to adventuresinsci-fipublishing.com, you will see a new website that went live about three hours ago. Uh, there's still a little bit of trim work to be done, but by and large, it's up and ready to go. One of the cool new features you'll find there is an episode archive page. At a glance, you will be able to see every episode in the feed going all the way back to uh, January 2007. And you can click on the link, and it'll take you to the show notes page, and you can download the show. So, pretty awesome. Um, oh, I, su- I suggested that about... Two years ago? <laughs> yes, you did. It was a lot of work, though, so whoever did it, two thumbs up. <laughs> you um, know? The great Summer Brooks of Farpoint Media. There yeah. we go. See, she can write code, and she was actually able to get that done in a few minutes. So anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's awesome. Uh, speaking of reviews, we do have a new review I will be posting uh, for Dead Man's Hand by uh, Luke Murphy, reviewed by John Dodd, so come check that out. And if you haven't subscribed to the show, please do. You find the uh, subscription buttons right there at the top, iTunes, uh, RSS links, and all that good stuff right there at the top of the the page on the right-hand column. Can't miss it. Um, And join us on Facebook and Twitter as well. i got to get back to the Twitter thing. I was like, I couldn't even remember how to access the Twitter page until this morning. (laughs) Um, And lastly, we want to mention the the news that many of you may have heard right now about fellow podcaster P.G. Holyfield. And I don't know... uh, him personally um never i think we've shared a couple social media comments here and there but a few weeks ago apparently patrick was diagnosed with terminal cancer and it was one of those you know you're diagnosed and you don't have much time type of deals and from what i've been reading online his body's shutting down pretty quickly um patiobooks.com is giving 100 percent of all donations that go to patrick's novel murder at avondon hill uh, to his family to help support them. He does have three children. So um, please do go support Patrick's work and his family by downloading the novel. We'll put the link in the show notes and, uh, and donating there, or, or you can donate through the GoFundMe page. 
Um, we'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. But, you know, just one of those reminders how fragile life can be. It's and, um, you know, a guy I know who's been a part of the podcasting community for a long time. Um, so anyway, uh, and uh, yeah, it's important that we, we mention that and try to support our community as best we can, you know. Um, on that note, I know that's not a, a happy note, but uh, guys, is there anything you want to mention or talk about before we uh, wrap this episode up? Hard to follow that. So uh, I, I yeah. just encourage people to check out, you know, the link for PG Holyfield, you know, say a, say a prayer if you go that way or whatever you do, you know, some positive energy, some positive something. Um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's super important. Yeah, I would agree. Send, yeah, send PG, send Patrick some love, uh, in particular in his family. I think that would be uh, tremendous to do that. So, All right, well, we're going to sign off there. We'll be back in less than a week or so with uh, Lou Anders, and then we will be working on getting into a regular rhythm here so you can count on uh, episodes coming in a timely fashion, right? So please come to uh, the website, visit us on social media, Go over to patiobooks.com and download Murder at Abandon Hill. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Take care.